Good evening. It's, it's a blessing to be able to be here and worship with you guys today. It's been, been a, quite, a bit, quite a long time since I've preached in front of you guys. I think it's been since 2016, so, so it's been the better part of a decade, but uh, it's, it's good to be back preaching in front of the congregation that, that had a good part in my raising. Uh, you know, I, I was listening to that song, you know, surely goodness and mercy will follow us. And I think, I didn't ask him to lead that song, but it fits really well in the topic of the day. Uh, today we're going to be talking about hope. Um, I don't know if a lot of y'all have heard me preach in a long time, but the way I usually start my lessons is I try to put y'all in the same mind frame I was whenever, whenever I made the lesson. So, uh, as most people who preach will tell you, the hardest thing to, to do when you're making a lesson and putting it together is trying to figure out what you want to talk about. And, and uh, so I was looking over some old lessons and I don't want to say a lot of my lessons are negative, but most of them are warnings and, and you know, preparing for, for the future and sin and, and maybe redemption, but not a lot of them are just really optimistic. So I decided, you know, I've got a lot of good things going in my life. I'm really blessed and I have a, I have a, you know, a lot of, a lot of blessings in my life. And so I wanted to talk about hope and I wanted to take a look in, inside and, and, you know, see what the Bible has, has to say about hope and living a life of a Christian. So, Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. You know, Paul says, here he lays out, you know, why he does what he does. This is the hope of eternal life as promised by God. That was the motivation behind his preaching. You know, he had a great hope for eternal life after, after he died. And you could see that in the way he lived his life, through, through thick and thin, through good and bad. He, he had a lot, of, a lot of suffering and persecution in his life. But he had this ultimate hope and, you know, positivity that, that is in almost all of his writings. And you can see because he had, he had an eternal perspective. And he had the hope that a Christian should have, you know, when he was living through his day-to-day -day life. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11 says, But what things were, were gained to me, those I counted lost, but for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but which is through the faith of Christ, that righteousness, which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. You know, as I said earlier, Paul suffered a lot. He, he had a lot of persecutions. You know, he, he lists a whole big long chapter about how he suffered persecutions of lashings, and of the deep, and, and of his own countrymen, and of strangers. And I mean, he just goes on and on about all the bad things that happened to him. And you know, he, he counts them a refuse. It's just, just nothing, because... He had that eternal perspective and just a great hope in him. You know, how strong that hope must have been. You know, we like to get all doom and gloom, you know, when we talk about how dark the world's getting around us and how, it's, how, the, how the nation's, you know, going away from God. And it certainly is, but we don't have to suffer like Paul suffered for the most part. Uh, I don't know about the future, but I, I'm not expecting to ever get, you know, stoned for, for being a Christian or anything. And hopefully those blessings continue into the future, but... You know, I, we have a lot of hope as Christians that, you know, we have it really good, you know, in spite of everything that's going around. 
So let's, let's, let's look at what hope is. Let's define it. So hope is a noun. Webster defines it as desire accompanied by the expectation or belief in fulfillment. Uh, Strong's Concordance, it's number 1680, and it translate, translates hope from the word elpis, which at its root means expectation. You know, so the word, uh, the word hope in, in our modern vernacular is not, not really what it, what it means whenever the Bible says it. You know, as a little kid, we, we hope for a pony for Christmas, or, or maybe an adult hopes to win the lottery. But, you know, we don't have an earnest expectation for those things most of the time. You know, I, I don't expect to win the lottery. I haven't really played it, so, you know, I don't expect that to happen. You know, hope is not just this fantasy wish upon a star. It's an earnest expect, and it's, ah, it's certainly not, you know, a naive optimism that some arbitrary good thing is going to happen to us in the future. That's not what hope is. Hope is an expectation for something to happen. You know, if I, if I study for 70 hours for a test, I, I hope and, you know, I expect to pass it, you know. If I don't study at all, I don't, you know, hope to pass it. You know, that's not, that's not hope because you can't expect that. You know, do we, do we expect heaven? You know, do we earnestly live our lives expecting to go to heaven? You know, is it a flimsy, naive optimism? You know, I hope I go to heaven. That's, that's not how we're supposed to live our lives. We're supposed to know that through the Bible and what the Bible has to say, we can expect to go to heaven if we live our lives the way the Bible wants us to. <clears throat> so Romans chapter 4, verses 13 through 25 says, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, the faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, where there no, where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be, that it might be by grace, to the end of the promise, might be sure to all the seed, not to that which is of the law, but to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations, before him whom he believed. Even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth these things which not as they were. Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken. So that thy seed be, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that, he, that what he had promised he was able to perform. And therefore it was imputed unto him righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. <clears throat> so here Abraham had this hope. You know, he had this hope that was carried out through faith. You know, him and Sarah had gotten well past childbearing age, but... You know, because God told him he was going to have heirs and he was going to be the heir to many nations, he, he knew he was going to be the heir. You know, he had an expectation for that. He didn't just root for it to happen. He didn't just, you know, count himself lucky. God bless me, so maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. But I'm, I'm feeling optimistic. No, it wasn't that. He knew it was going to happen to the point that he didn't waver when he was told to sacrifice his son Isaac. You know, similarly, our hope should be carried out through our faith. You know, are we fully persuaded in our salvation? Do we have full expectation for heaven if we do what the Bible tells us to? If, if we do that, you know, we can have the utmost expectation in the blood of Christ. And we can expect that to forgive our sins if we live by faith and obey the gospel. 
So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, faith is born of hope. It is hope with substance. You know, the sole reason we have faith is because we have hope of eternal life. You know, this chapter goes on to talk about the heroes of faith. You know, it starts with Abraham and his faith. It goes to Noah. And it's 40 more verses of just people who are living by God's word and who God had promised things to happen to. And if, if they were faithful and obedient, and they stuck with it, and they did it. And, you know, their, their lives turned out because of it. Um, we're going to pick it up in this last verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 40, and then into the next chapter, 12, verses 1 through 2. It says, God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and set it down, and was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. <clears throat> Sorry, I got my words jumbled there a little bit. Um, so here this passage calls Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, you know, because it is through his sacrifice we have hope. You know, it talked about all the faith that these other guys had in God because God made them physical promises, and certainly that's nothing to scoff at, but, you know, here at the end it says we have so much more hope than, you know, they ever had because we have such a better salvation. You know, they didn't have Jesus. We did. And it says, you know, because of their, uh, it says our faith is, is much better than theirs were. You know, and, you know, that's, that's strong. There's power in Jesus' blood. Again, it's not some flimsy optimism, but it's an earnest expectation in the promises of the Bible to come. <clears throat> so we have, we have hope through promise. Romans 8, verses 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to him who love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, this is one of the most misquoted scriptures, I think, in the whole Bible. You know, growing up, I hear it, you know, read before football games and posted online by people who have tests coming up and, you know, just applied as a general. If we love God, good things are going to happen to our lives and we're just guaranteed success in all, our in all our endeavors. And, you know, and that's not the way hope works and that's not the way uh, this path, and that's not really what this passage is talking about. So if we back up and read the whole, the whole verse, we get a fuller picture of what this is trying to say. This is kind of a lengthy reading, but it's Romans chapter 18, verses 28. And it's Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 28. It says, For I reckon that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected him to the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. And we know that the whole of creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the firstfruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for what we have seen not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit helpeth the infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for, as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us, groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because, that, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to him that love God and who are called according to his purposes. 
So if we take the Bible for what it is, this passage does not say, you know, we're guaranteed an easy life and automatic success if we love God, like ignorant people, you know, like to say it is. In fact, it says the opposite. You know, it says because we have this faith and we know that all things will work together, we can handle any sufferings and temptation and tribulation that gets thrown at us. You know, we don't have to be confined to the things of this world because we have so much hope for, for better things after this. So another thing about our hope is it should be visible. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 15 says, But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and in fear. You know, if we're living the way we we're supposed to, our, our faith should be visible. You know, has anyone ever asked you about your hope? Uh, I used to struggle, as I said earlier, with being, being negative all the time, and it's taken some major growing up to, to be a little more optimistic in nature. Um, if any of you have spent a lot of time with me, you know I like to sing. I sing just about all the time. I usually have an annoying song stuck in my head or something. And I remember one time at my old job in Amarillo, I was in the elevator. It was, it was six in the morning-ish. Uh, I was going up to my, to my hospital floor, and I had a song stuck in my head that I heard in the radio or something, and I was humming it along. And a guy in the elevator with me just said, man, it is six in the morning. What do you possibly have to be so happy about? And at the time, I, you know, wasn't really prepared to answer that question. I just kind of shrugged it off, you know. It's okay, you know, not, not really a big thing. And I moved on. But looking back, I kind of regret that because what he was asking for is, you know, why, do, why are you hopeful? You know, he was, that was a missed opportunity to, you know, tell him, you know, I have so many blessings in my life. You know, God's good. I have a savior. I have a family. Everything's just great, you know. But, you know, instead I shrugged it off. And that was just a fleeting moment that I, I often think about. Uh, so I hope that you guys get ready because, you know, if you're living, hopefully uh, they'll see that and they will ask about it. Uh, another person that this, this verse makes me think of is my little sister. Um, I don't say this to, you know, brag or puff up or anything, but uh, she, she's pretty positive. You know, she's got this saying, she always says, things just work out for me. And, uh, you know, I, I've always kind of, you know, how, how can you live like that, you know? And, and things generally do work out for her. And, I got to looking at how she uses this, this saying and stuff, and, you know, it's not, it's not her being naive about the problems in her life. It's not her saying, you know, I got nothing to worry about, but, you know, she has a faith and she lives it, you know, that no matter what happens to her, she knows everything's going to work out. And that's something, you know, that I've always, always admired about her. <clears throat> so another thing about our hope is it should stick out. So we're getting, we're getting closer to the end here, but... Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, this morning David talked about how lights shine brighter when, it, when it's in the dark. And, you know, when you think about, you know, just going outside in the middle of the night, if you ever get out of town, you can see the moon real, real bright. You know, you don't really see it that bright when we're in town because it's not that dark. Uh, there's not been a very many times in my life where I can recall being in total darkness, especially in an unfamiliar <coughs> area. Uh, if it is total darkness, it's usually around my house or something, and I know where I'm going, and I can kind of, kind of get get where I'm going. But a few days ago, I was in a in a Mayan cave in Belize with my family, and it was dark. And you know, when we were outside of the cave, we were checking our little headlights and. 
You know, I, mine turned on. I didn't think anything of it. Well, we got into that cave, and I realized my light didn't work at all. It was not bright, and it didn't take me very long to realize, you know, I can't see anything. I know this light's on, but it is not bright enough. But fortunately, Dad and Lindy's lights worked real fine, and I stuck with them because I could not see where I was going with, if it wasn't for their lights. And that got me thinking about, uh, you know, us, our Christian lives. You know, our light shining, the darker it is outside, uh, the brighter it is and the easier it is to see the light. Uh, it's, you know, real, it shouldn't be that hard to stick out and live differently from the world if the world's going that bad. And we can, we can be all doom and gloom about, about how it, in America it's getting worse for Christians and stuff. But in fact, it's making our light shine brighter and it's making the Christians stick out and it's, you know, noticing how much better things are for them and how much hope they have. Uh, I noticed something similar pretty easily in the work world is that the bar that most employers have for employees, especially in you know, lower, lower wage jobs, is embarrassingly low. I mean, it felt like as soon as I got on a job site and just showed up on time and got my stuff done, that was considered excellent, and that made you stick out. And I, it kind of blew my mind that you know, that's the bar for excellence. It's not set very high, and it is easy to stand out when you have a good work ethic. And you know, as Christians, it should be easy for us to stick out. So in conclusion, this is the, the last passage I'm going to read tonight. It's Philippians chapter 1, verses 15 through 21. It says, Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposed to add to affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in patience or in truth, Christ is preached, and therefore I do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that is in nothing shall I be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, live is Christ, and to die is gain. You know, that's one of the most powerful sentences in all of Paul's writing, is to live as Christ and to die as gain. You know, we got nowhere to go but up, so we should, we should be happy about that. You know, Paul here said he didn't care how it happened as long as Christ is preached. He did not care if he had to suffer for the cause of Christ, and he had the utmost hope and earnest expectation for the salvation of Christ. <clears throat> you know, let's look at the words he uses. He says, I know. He says, my salvation according to my earnest expectation and my hope. You know, do we have that earnest expectation and an earnest hope to go to heaven? And <clears throat> so we, we know, you know, are we living our lives, you know, to live as Christ and to die as gain? You know, do we live with that boldness and that hope in our hearts? Uh, that's all I've prepared for you all today. As always, we like to offer an invitation to obey the gospel if you feel that you have been sufficiently taught, or if you have anything that the church can help you out with. We would love to help you out with that as we stand and sing the invitation song. <clears throat>